Well, good morning, everybody, and hey, welcome to Grace Point Church. Thank you so much for joining us here this morning, and thank you to the Hoovers for that great song, Waymaker. Thank you to Ashley and Lindsay and uh, Laurie there, and for Katie and the video that she did there. That was awesome. Uh, and happy Mother's Day to everybody. Um, and I know for some it's a hard day, and I just want to give our love to you. Um, it's a day of reminding of some things that have been lost and that you're missing. And so we want to give space to recognize that and recognize that your story matters to us. And for those who are celebrating Mother's Day for the first time or who are you know, trying to figure out virtually how to do that, a special Happy Mother's Day uh, to everybody here. Well, um, we're going to be celebrating Mother's Day later this uh, today, and we look forward to doing that. We've had a lot of time together as a family during the stay-at-home order, and it's been a gift for us. We've been able to review and just you know, have some time to talk as a family about some fun things, and I hope you have too. And one of the things we got a chance to talk about with our kids uh, this past week was this class that they had in school, and it's a class that they jokingly titled um, How to Be a Normal Human Being. <laughs> it was a class they had when they were younger, and the, and the school was trying to teach some basics of how to be, be kind to one another. And, and because our kids felt like it was so basic, they entitled the class How to Be a Normal Human Being. And, and I asked them, well, tell me about that. He said, well, here's how a question would go on a, on a test. If you saw a kid drop uh, something in the hallway, maybe their, their books or whatever, what should you do? A, help them, B, turn the other way and run, or C, kick them in the shins, all right? And what are you gonna pick? And so they were kind of making fun of this and we had a good time laughing about this class and all that, how to be a normal human being class. And this morning in a way, I'm gonna have a message, it's almost like, you know, how to be a normal human Christian class in a way through this crisis. Um, and in a way, it's so simple that maybe some of you will say, do we really need to talk about this? And I might say, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you get to be the judge. Because the simple message, it's so simple. The simple message is this, don't be mean. That's it. Don't be mean. I don't want you to be mean right now. <laughs> and you might say, well, that's really super simple. And, you know, I don't think I'm being mean. And, and I get that. But, but here's what I want to say. That, that right now, um, our tensions are rising and the challenges are still in front of us. You know, we have some restrictions put on us and we have some financial impact. And you know what's going on. You don't need me to recount it for you. But it is a hard time. And I'm seeing and I'm sensing anger building um, in us. And anger because we're out of control. And the reason that I'm concerned about it and I want to talk about it here today is because I don't want us to be mean. I don't want us to lose something that's very important to me and I think to you through this process as well. The reason this matters to me, and I hope the reason this might matter to you this morning, is because people will see what we believe before they hear what we believe. They're going to see how we react on social media. They're going to see how we engage with our employees and with our family. They're gonna see before they hear. And what we do, as you know, is more important than what we say. And so I want our actions, as people who call themselves Christians, I want our actions to model the reconciling love of God in Jesus Christ. And I don't want our actions to divide, to support the division that is existing even within our country. I want our actions to be modeled after the reconciling love of God through Christ, even in the middle of a hard time like this that we are facing. And so I'm going to put it simply, 
don't be mean. Now, here's what I mean by that. In, in the Bible, there's a variety of words that are used for anger. Um, there's you know, rage, there's fury, but there's a word that um, is often overlooked. And it's a word that right now I really want to talk about this morning. And it's a word that we actually rarely use, but it's a word that's very important to understand. And it's a word called contempt. Contempt. Contempt is a simple idea, and Webster's Dictionary will define it this way, that it is a respect, a lack of respect for something or looking down on someone. It's a lack of respect for something or a looking down on someone. Contempt is simply a form of anger. It's an expression of anger. And we have a powerful choice to make when we're confronted with this anger that is building up in us. And I want to suggest to you this morning that we can either choose to look down on or look out for. Our vantage point matters so much. We can either look down on, like contempt invites us to do, or we can look out for people like kindness invites us to do. And I want to talk about these options that are right in front of us here this morning. So what I want to do is talk about where contempt is directed right now, kind of where that might show up in us. And I want to talk about what contempt looks like, kind of give you a picture of it from a first person viewpoint, and then talk about our choices. What do we do with these feelings that we have around contempt? Okay, so first of all, where is contempt most directed right now? And contempt generally, contempt generally is always directed toward someone or something that stands in my way. It's as simple as that. So it may be as simple as in normal circumstances, I may have contempt toward people who are closest to me, toward you know my spouse or my kids or, or toward parents or toward a boss or employees or a roommate. But in this situation that we're in, Contempt is a little bit different, and it's directed, almost all of our contempt that I see is directed toward people who are restricting us, it is directed toward people who are putting limitations on us and keeping us from doing the things that we want to do. They are essentially getting in our way. And the they that I'm talking about are our governmental leaders. The people who some say should have been prepared for this, who haven't led well, who should have listened to the experts or taken lessons from other parts of the world, who shouldn't have waffled so much or who shouldn't have shut it down or who should have done it earlier, who have lost touch with the common man and who don't understand the impact on small businesses, the people who are pushing to have it open early and the people who are waiting to have it you know, open later. And there's contempt that grows that says, I want to look down on or kind of create a, a division from these people who I am really honestly angry at. And so there is a contempt growing, I would argue, for governmental leaders right now. And it's very important for us as Christians to talk about how do Christians react to this kind of anger? What does that look like for us? And how do we engage it? And so if you're not a Christian this morning, if you're listening to this Sunday morning or later, and you're not a Christian, that's fine, but I want you to know I'm speaking directly to Christians right now and how we engage our faith because it's so, so important. So here's what we learn. Here's what we learn um, from Romans chapter 13 from Paul, who was a follower of Jesus, about how to react to government. And I just want to stop here quick because I think it's so important. And I want to identify three things from Romans 13. First of all, we read this in Romans 13.1. Paul is writing, he says, let everyone be subject 
to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. So the first point is very simple, right from Romans 13.1, there is no authority that exists except what God has established. And so my contempt toward government leaders, I need to put in perspective to say, this is someone who I have these feelings toward, but they have been put there by God. So what do I do with that? Now you might say, well, come on, Tim. I mean, Paul never met our leader, right? I mean, he never met our president. He never met our governor. He never met the people who are making decisions for us. And I can't argue with that. But I also would say that we've never met his leader. We've never met Nero, the emperor of Rome during his time. He lit Christians on fire for fun. I never met him, but it was under his leadership that Paul wrote these words, that there is no leadership except that which God has established, speaking about Nero. And so I know that Paul never met our leaders. I get that. But our leaders have been put there, according to Christian belief, has been put there by God. And so first principle is that there is no authority except that which has been established by God. Secondly, you want to remind us in Romans 13, 4, that government is here for our common good. And we read there that for the one in authority is God's servant for your good. Those in government are here to serve and enforce our laws, to create and enforce our laws, even the ones that we may not agree with, even the ones that are recommendations, even the ones that are guidelines, even as they try to figure it out amidst all the chaos right now. Government is here for our common good with all of the ups and downs that come with that. Thirdly, I want to say this, that we owe government something. We owe government something. In Romans 13, verse 7, here we read Paul saying, Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. You see what he's saying there? He's saying there's something you owe government. There's something you owe to these people. Pay your taxes. You have revenue, revenue. Respect, respect. Honor, honor. You know, I asked the question this week in one of my videos I put out early in the week. It was this. Does honoring the government right now require me to dishonor my faith right now? And the, the answer at some times in Christian history has been yes. I think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer in, um, in Hitler's Germany when you'd have to ask the question, does honoring government cause me to dishonor my faith? He answered it, yes, it does. And I think he was right. I think of Rosa Parks sitting on that bus and choosing not to get up and helping to kind of launch the civil rights movement in a way with the help um, of so many others, protesting these racial inequities. And does giving in to the government, does honoring the government relative to racial inequity, honor my faith, and I might argue that she was right. But we'd have to ask the question now, does this rise to that level? Do the things that we're facing rise to these levels? It's a question we've really got to ask and wrestle with. Here's what I want to ask about this as well, that if we're going to choose contempt as a reaction to our government leaders right now, if we're going to choose to say, you know, I. I can't stand it. I wish they weren't in this position of leadership. They're in our way. If we choose contempt, what are we actually choosing? What is the net effect of choosing contempt? How does it make people feel? And what does it communicate to people? 
And there's a beautiful example of it, a first-person view of it in Psalm chapter 31. And, and David writes about this here, and, and here's what we read there in Psalm 31. He says this, Because of all of my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors. See what he's saying? He's saying that community members are looking down on him. He goes on, And an object of dread to my closest friends. Even the people who are close to him don't want to be near him because of the contempt that is on him. And those who see me on the street flee from me. You know, even strangers avoid him. I am forgotten as though I was dead. I have become like broken pottery. He's saying I'm, I'm useless. I've become of no value to other people in society. For I hear many whispering, terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. Contempt seeks to do this. Contempt, look, contempt seeks to alienate and isolate and destroy. Contempt wants to destroy the glory of God in people, even people that we disagree with. Contempt wants to tarnish beauty. Contempt wants to draw a line in the sand and say, either you are with me or you are against me. It wants to create winners and losers. It wants to, with contempt, judge the losers and celebrate the winners. Contempt wants to put a dividing line down, and this, this is where I'm concerned for us, that contempt wants to further drive a wedge and a divide within our country, within our state, within our county, within people's ideological, political views. It wants to drive a further wedge in there and, and push people apart rather than bring them together. That is what contempt will do in our hearts, and that is what it will do within our community. And that's what it did with David. It pushed him away from his neighbors. It pushed him away from his friends. Even strangers on the street, contempt pushed him away from. It's as if he was useless and forgotten. And you may make the point, listen to him, I'm not alienating the governor. I'm not alienating the president because I don't even know them, right? I mean, who are they to me? They don't know who I am and I don't know them and you would be right. But what we also know is that our reaction to our governmental leaders isn't just a reaction to them personally, but is a reaction to the people who support them. There, there are neighbors that we have, friends that we have, who silently support people whom we criticize. There are people who are hearing the message from us that there are losers and there are winners. and He's a loser, and let's condemn him. Let's, with contempt, heap insults on him. Let's go ahead and, with sarcasm, make fun of this leader. Let's go ahead and do that. And anyone who then would share that viewpoint would automatically recognize, well, I better not speak up here in this space because I'm in the loser camp, at least on your side. This is what contempt does. It divides, it seeks to remove people, create winners and losers, alienate and isolate. It's exactly what happened with David in Psalm 31, and it's exactly what happens when we use contempt the way that we want to use it. It's a form of anger that diminishes and attempts to destroy and kill the image and glory of God in people. And it comes because we're angry because we cannot get on top of whatever it is that we want. There's somebody in our way right now. And I understand why we feel angry. But there is always another choice. There's always another choice. 
You see, I had to ask myself the question, how did God deal with his anger toward my sin? And how does God deal with his anger toward your sin? What did he do? Did he continue to, to set divides up? Did he continue to, to drive a wedge between himself and us? Did he just hammer home that he is holy and we are not? That he is righteous and we are not? That he is good and we are not? Is that what he did? Or did he choose something besides contempt in the anger that he felt? In the constant rebellion that he addressed and dealt with with the nation of Israel, and the constant rebellion that he addresses and deals with in my own heart, what does he choose? How does he choose to interact with me when his anger grows? What does he do? And rather than choosing contempt, he chooses over and over again kindness. I love the way Paul writes about it in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. When he gives us another way, he says this, he says, Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? And what a beautiful picture of kindness and contempt as two options, as a response to our anger. You can choose contempt and it will feel justified. I get that. In the book of Proverbs, we read about that a, a fool gives full vent to his anger. And they just let it go and be unfiltered and be angry. And we, we understand that that can happen. But it's not recommended. Because the other option, kindness, is a reaction and a response to anger. Kindness is seeing that there is something that's going on that doesn't seem right. That you are angry. You see it. You recognize the, the problem in front of you. You recognize the limitations on you. But then what is your choice? To further divide and to isolate, to alienate, to create winners and losers? Or is your choice to say, you know what? I'm going to do the best I can to model the reconciling love of God in the middle of the town square where I am. I'm going to show that the kindness of God is a legitimate reaction to the anger that I feel. Because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. That's exactly what he did for us. While I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. This is so important to the Christian faith and so important to me, and I hope it becomes so important to you if you call yourself a Christian, that people, as they see us, as they see you, not just hear us, but as they see you walking through this crisis, as they see you wishing the county was open earlier, as they see you dealing with the grief of loss of school and job and all of these things, that they will see. I pray that they will see you modeling the reconciling love of Christ in kindness, even to people that you disagree with, people on the other side of the aisle, whichever side you are on. Understanding that God puts leaders in authority with all of the ups and downs that come with it, that we would not be people of contempt, but in our anger, rather than contempt, we would show kindness. That is what I hope. Have you ever experienced that kind of kindness? Have you? I think back to my childhood, and I remember in growing up in Barbados, I would regularly be kicking the soccer ball against our, our house because we had like a, we didn't have side and we had almost like a, I don't know, a, we had a stone facade on our house that I could kick the, the ball against. And we had a second story window that was a single pane of glass. 
I think I broke that window like every other month. I just remember over and over breaking the window, just kicking the ball, break the window, kick the ball, break the window. I know, I know it was frustrating for my parents. And I remember the shame that came on me every time I broke the window. I'm like, oh, geez, again? And I just wanted to hide because I knew I did the wrong thing. But what I remember, my abiding memory, is that when contempt could have been given to me, when I could have been made a loser and them a winner, I remember the kindness that came and replaced what should have been contempt. And when that kindness comes to people, even people that you're angry with, when your soul has felt the kindness of God, when you recognize that because of your sin and because of my sin, I deserved the contempt and judgment of God. But what I got was his kindness. It is so disarming and it is so disorienting. I get lost in it. And it makes you wonder, boy, how can I show this kind of kindness, this kind of love to people even that I disagree with? So this morning on Mother's Day, want to go back to the simplicity of it all. Don't be mean. Don't be mean. I want you to consider looking out for rather than looking down on the people who you may disagree with right now, especially those in government. My hope and my prayer is that as you navigate these times with your lead teams, with your staff teams at work, with your own families, that you can lead your families, you can lead your employees, you can lead yourself into a space where you take on the reconciling love of God to speak truth, to speak truth in love, to reconcile and show kindness, even though the anger is making you sometimes want to show contempt, but that your sarcasm can be limited, that your contempt can be limited, that your care can be shown, even in the middle of this hard time, especially in the middle of this hard time, because people see your faith and see your love before they hear it. So please, don't be mean. Don't show contempt. It never helps us get where we want to go, which is showing the love of God through Christ to everyone and anyone that we come in contact with. Well, guys, I hope that has been helpful thinking for you this morning, and I hope that it can land somewhere helpful for you as you process that. I look forward to next week in part nine of the series, Disrupted, looking at one of the most powerful emotions that you will ever engage with and why it will make you do battle with God. So I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Will you pray with me? Our good God and Heavenly Father, thank you for the time to be together this morning, and we um, again, just want to stop and remember your love that you have given to us and poured out to us by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. That instead of showing contempt for our sin, you showed kindness and came in truth to us. And so we want to be people of truth, people of love, and people who reconcile rather than divide. Help us to do that with wisdom and consistency and care as we engage all of what we feel and are dealing with in the space that we are in. And this morning again, we thank you for moms, for mothers, and all they mean to us. And we pray your blessing on them, especially here today. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.